is, I guess, theirs. And the home of the brave. Welcome to episode 15 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. Oh man, episode 15. I guess if this were the, uh, I don't know, hit the football podcast, we'd be celebrating our quinceanera. <laughs> but uh, it's it's not. No S. So uh, hit the deck. 15 and that's that how are you james i'm pretty good how about yourself uh you know i can't complain i i am in a pretty good place as of this recording so yeah good times Excellent. yes all right hey that's all you could hope for right yeah so h- how's your week been uh, a lot better than the previous week good so- good hopefully it'll translate for a good podcast tonight i know you were ill last week have you recovered Yes, yes, thank you. Um, I mean, I think for the previous three weeks, I wasn't feeling well, so it was kind of like the same thing week after week, but I'm officially okay now, so I have no excuse for that. Thank you, thank you. Sure. Uh, Why don't we get into the starting lineup? Sounds good. All right, and tonight's starting lineup in goal, I am number 35, the American Rhino, Gary McComiskey, and of course, my illustrious, well, (laughs) co-host... Thank you, sir. On defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi. Fantastic. All right. So, James, would you be so kind as to tell us what is on deck for tonight? Would be happy to. Leading things off, hockey evolution. For all of you fathers and mothers out there, the American Rhino included, here's a very important question for you. Is it appropriate to introduce deck hockey to toddlers? Deck hockey in the news. A few hit the decks ago, Gary and I spoke about a huge hockey-slash-ice skating facility that will hopefully be built here in New York City. While we are still waiting to hear if the project will be okayed, the American Rhino and I found another interesting article about a new deck hockey-specific rink that is in its first stages of being constructed in Pennsylvania. And Road Trip Part 2. Hope you liked Part 1 from the previous Hit the Decks podcast because the conclusion is coming up. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. Thank you, sir. All right. So, hockey evolution. That's an interesting topic. So, as you know, and as the listeners may or may not know, I have a five-year-old daughter, Julia, and she is very interested in hockey. But uh, I, I don't know. I haven't introduced her to the actual sport yet. Frankly, uh, she is rambunctious and runs around like crazy, and and she's a little clumsy. She's more than a little clumsy, actually. I, I love her to death, and she seems indestructible, uh, don't they all at that age? But she's incredibly clumsy. I, I don't trust her with a hockey stick at this point, and, you know, uh, she's interested. When we go to play hockey, you and I, she be- before we leave, uh, I'm 
often decked out in my hockey clothes or my dance clothes, as Julia refers to them for some reason. <laughs> but um, she she wants to play hockey. She says, "Daddy, I can I you know when I get older, can I play hockey with you?" And I said, "Of course, Julia, I'd be happy to." But I always tell her that my sticks are taller than she is, so she would not be able to hold them. But uh, which which seems to pacify her. But maybe it, you know. Not even maybe. In a few years, I definitely plan on introducing her to hockey. But for now, personally, now this is just my choice as, as a parent, and other parents are free to raise their children, of course, as they see fit. But I do not feel comfortable introducing my five-year-old to hockey at this time. What's your yeah. opinion, James? Well, I have to disqualify myself because I don't have any children. I'm just an uncle. But, uh, yeah, but, but you that's have, the whole point. You have a niece and a nephew that you love very much and that uh, you're very familiar with. So I think you're at least qualified to have an opinion. Okay. I appreciate that. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, before I, I put my two cents in, I mean, the, the point of this is, like you said, there's no right or wrong answer. And it's kind of a gut instinct in how you feel uh, as a parent and especially for the safety of your children, which is – number one priority. But yeah, for me, I'm kind of a kid at heart. I haven't really grown up or, or matured as well as I should have. So I like to get down and dirty and play with the kids. My niece is eight years old and my nephew is four. And I only have one brother, so that's it. They're, they're, they're our whole universe, those two wonderful little kids. And, and your daughter as well. She's an absolute sweetheart. And uh, we appreciate the, the honest scouting report on her. So um, <laughs> she, she, uh, She's got great legs. She'll be able to run for days. And, and uh, you know, if she, if she decides to go into soccer for whatever reason, look out. Because she'll be able to kick that ball like nobody's business. But God bless her. She'll trip over her own feet. Well, again, and, and getting back to uh, my assessment on, on my niece and nephew is that when you're that young, if you're you know four or five years old, you're kind of still figuring out your body and, and how to use it and how to walk and, and do things because you're growing at a, at, a, at a pretty quick rate as well. So that's why I'm always fascinated by any professional athlete out there that you, you hear like a Tiger Woods or, or, or Wayne Gretzky as two examples is that if their parents recognized they had a, a talent for their sports and to encourage them at very young ages. But it's funny how Tiger Woods' swing was basically the same as it was when he was an infant as to it is now. And Wayne Gretzky's form, the way he skates and holds a stick and everything, was you could tell that Wayne Gretzky as a four-year-old or however old he was at the time from the footage of his childhood. But for us normal folk out there, it's a little bit more complicated. And uh, like Gary and I have said in the past, too, we, we kind of got into hockey a little bit later in our lives. My, I in my teenage years and uh, Gary around the same time or, or yeah. in your early adulthood. So for for my point of view, I like we said in the last edition of Hit the Deck and thanks to Uncle Julius for providing us with the topic. As Gary and I said that we grew up on air hockey, knock hockey and, and as my brother and I call it, hallway hockey. Hmm. Um we, we kind of had fun with the game and, and played it. So we do the same thing with, with my niece and nephew. As And just, uh, sorry, just to interject, sure. James, you can check out the gear that James and his brother used for hallway hockey and hallway baseball on our Instagram account at Hit the Deck. Yes, thank you very much for posting those things, Gary. Thanks much for sending them. They were sure. uh, <laughs> educational. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, But you were saying about the way you, you play with your niece and nephew. Right, and... Uh, Companies such as Franklin, Milik, and USA Hockey actually make 
indoor mini hockey goals, sticks, and pucks designed for youngsters. They, as what we call hallway hockey, they call knee hockey because for older people, you should get down on your knees and, and, and play with the young guys and girls out there. Yeah, you may also know it by the name Shinny. Oh, that's, that's cool. I never heard that one before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shinny hockey. See, that's one of the things I love. One of the many, many things I love about hockey is how the the banter and and specific uh, slangs and things. It's it's really very very uh, unique mm-hmm. and cool. But uh, but yeah, we've we've played indoor hockey with them, and and they've uh, you know flailed the the sticks all over the place, much to my uh, sister-in-law chagrin, and I apologize no many times, you know, <laughs> so trying to tell them, no, keep the sticks down and, and things like that. But again, I mean, they're so young and they're still learning to develop. And like uh, your daughter was saying, um, for her world, uh, when, when you dress up for doing something fun, she's, I guess, in dance and stuff. So that would be your dance outfit. Yeah, opposed- maybe. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what the connection is specifically. It could be that. It could be. I I don't know. My daughter is a character, and uh, that's I don't know. And the things that come out of her mouth that that populate her brain, uh, I, I can't begin to imagine some of the things that go through her head. God bless her. She has way more imagination than I ever did. She oh, gets that's that from her the, mother. I, I wouldn't sell yourself short there with the imagination part, but that's one of the things I miss most about my childhood. Was yeah, exactly. You you could. Use your imagination. It's it's such a gift and fun thing that you kind of forget when you're an adult. But mm. it's getting back to the kids' point of view. It's like it's their world and we're just in it. Yeah. So, um, but let me ask you: Your niece is eight years old. You said. Yes. yes. Is she, in your opinion, as a, a, a not an outsider, but as mm. somebody who's, I guess, um, removed enough that you can form an unbiased opinion? Is she? ready for hockey is she prepared physically and mentally to play hockey excellent point and that that's the whole reason behind this uh, especially with you being a father so your opinion holds a lot more than that but yeah i i would say no um she's i, I don't know she's kind of tall for her age i think and and you know she's really slim and and uh, has a slender body kind of similar to julia as well and she likes dance and she likes she's into swimming and she's played soccer, as seems to be the case of all suburban kids nowadays. Yeah, it's gotten so, very popular. Yeah, but personally for me, I would not feel comfortable seeing her play in a physical game such as deck hockey. And if, if I'm a hypocrite, I apologize. It's not the, the idea behind it. And uh, the same thing for my nephew, too. I'm, I don't have a double standard. I mean, he's only four years old, and you shouldn't horse around too much with these little kids because bad things can happen. And, you know, we get we get beat up in playing deck hockey as it is. But mm-hmm. uh, for an elbow here or a high stick there and you're in a world of hurt and uh, I don't sure. want to be banned from playing with them from my brother or sister-in-law. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no cheap shots in the corner. Yeah, right. <laughs> Although my nephew, he, he's, he's beaten me up quite a few times. He's actually <laughs> brought me to my knees, <laughs> literally. So I don't know if he's a goon in training or what, but. Listen, keep my eye on I've gotten brought to my knees by my daughter plenty. It's yeah. just they they play rough and they don't play fair. No, and and you don't see it coming either. So. <laughs> and no remorse either. He doesn't care. He's, he like laughs at me. Yeah, Julia, I, I will say, if Julia hurts me and she knows that she's hurt me, she she will actually feel sorry. She she will apologize. Yeah, same for my niece too. It's like, come on. <laughs> 
<laughs> not my nephew. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He, 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 yeah, he, he, he laughs. But um, <laughs> hopefully, he'll grow he, out of that. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I don't like bullies, so I don't want to be uh, related to one. So no, of course. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, for like Gary was alluding to before, too, for the listeners out there. If you're a parent or an uncle or just a concerned adult, how you would feel about introducing deck hockey to the uh, youngsters, the next generation out there. Yeah, please uh, email us at hit the deck. Uh, that's deck, D-E-K, like deck hockey, which is what this podcast is about. Hit the deck at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at hit the deck pod. Thank you, sir. And of course, the Facebook page at hit the deck. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, we'd love to know what you think about when the appropriate time to introduce a child is to hockey. And hey, in cold weather climates, you hear stories from hockey players all the time. Oh, I, I could skate before I could walk. You know, it's it's a different mentality, maybe in more hockey centric parts of the world. So we are not necessarily right. We're just doing and encouraging the things that we think are best for our family. But please, if you have a different opinion, weigh in. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like Gary said, obviously in, in Canada, the birthplace of hockey, it's it's a way of life out there. And they don't joke around with that either. So uh, we appreciate them uh, allowing America and, and the world to share in that beautiful sport of hockey. But exactly, uh, maybe they gear the youngsters to develop and like you said a lot of them have said that they've skated before they walked and things because they were able to and had the facilities to do so but even if they graduate to playing hockey maybe they know how to uh, protect the kids and and build their confidence first before they start knocking them around and and maybe blocking shots and, and maybe hitting them and things and trying to worry about that but that's the other thing too is uh you know at least from my point of view, is when you're a child, let the children have fun and enjoy the sport, whatever it is. If it's baseball, if it's soccer, if it's hockey, tennis, golf, whatever. Just let them have fun when they're young so they can learn to love it. And maybe if they have a talent for the sport and and they enjoy it and they feel that practice is as much fun as playing, you're not twisting their arms to do so, then obviously nurture them and and encourage them and uh, worry about competing at high levels when they get older, if they're mature enough to do so at a younger age or if you have to wait until they're in high school and they see the competition is much stiffer and you have to really kind of buckle down and focus, then by all means do that. And uh, and the other thing too, which the idea behind this uh, topic was a parent's point of view, is that you always hear a lot specifically for hockey and soccer parents, quote-unquote, that a lot of them lose their cool during games and will either go after other parents or referees and coaches and really act inappropriately and kind of embarrass themselves and set a horrible example for their children. So you don't need to put that needless pressure on children, I think. Uh, no, I agree young in age. with myself. And again, speaking only for myself, whenever I play a game with Julia, no matter what kind of game it is, I always try and remind her that the important thing is to have fun. The old cliche, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. And Julia is still a bit of a sore loser, but she's five. So I guess that uh, that's something that you have to teach them out of, which, again, I'm trying to do. We're trying to do. I, I'm not going to take sole credit for the parenting by any stretch. My wife does the lion's share of the work with her, and, and, and we're both very lucky and blessed to have her. But, um, yeah, so we try to teach Julia that, 
the important thing is to have fun and just do your best and that's okay. But you're right. There are plenty of parents out there and I don't think that it's the majority by any stretch. I think it's a vocal minority of people who maybe they're frustrated with their own (laughs) uh, lack of, of accomplishment in life and they're trying to live out their dreams and live out their Relive their childhood. Yeah, their their missed opportunities, the things that they were never able to accomplish on their own through their children. But like I said, I think those that's the vocal minority. I think not just it's easy to to point to it in sports because there's a large group of people clustered together and they're all kind of there for the same thing. So also sports are generally a passionate environment to begin with. So I guess as a society, we kind of give a pass to the the yelling and the screaming in that kind of environment because it's expected. So when somebody is extra passionate, quote unquote, and they're yelling and screaming at their child's game, they feel like it's okay on some level. But there's people, you, you run into those kind of alpha personalities in every environment you have those people at work uh on the road in the the subway or on the bus there's there's people who are just selfish people and they think that their desires and and what they want is the not even the most important thing but the only important thing so that's the way they display their view of the world and Hey, there's plenty of people like that in sports. It's unfortunate that in a lot of cases they raise their kids to act that way because those are the children that grow up to be the next generation of those kind of adults very often that win at all costs and everything matters and you know there there there, there should be no medal for participation. You know, you're you're either a winner or you're a loser and and nobody likes a loser. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate that kids are subjected to that, but I think in a lot of ways it's unavoidable. You're always going to get that guy or that girl in whatever environment you're in, I think. I 100% agree, and uh, like Gary says at the end of every hit the deck is don't be that guy, and and he means that, and that's one of the reasons why. That's a good thing for movies like Disney movies and and TV shows like Bad News Bears and as we spoke about a few podcasts ago with The Mighty Ducks and things like that. It's good to give a good foundation for your children. Let them be children. Let them have fun. And exactly, that's how they learn good habits. They learn how to win graciously, how to lose and learn from that. And yeah, you're not a loser when you're five years old. I mean, you're you're an innocent child. You're trying to figure out a lot of things going on. So... Uh, I, I 100% agree with you. I think you nailed that, too. So, uh, right, there's kind of a double standard with sports in that aspect, too. But and hopefully... remember, sorry, sorry, James. I... Please finish your thought. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, remember in Rocky, spoiler, at the end of the movie, Rocky lost. Right. So, you know, and and people don't say, oh, that was a terrible movie. Rocky lost. He was such a loser, you know, because the... The important thing wasn't that he won the fight. The important thing was that he hung in there and he was a champion in people's eyes just because of the way he he fought and the way he carried himself. Right. And that's 
sure. And one of the one of the benefits of sports is that you can be an underdog. You can have the odds completely stacked against you, and then that's what most people can relate to is because most of us out there who aren't professional athletes are underdogs. We haven't made it to fulfill our dreams or fantasies of becoming uh, professional athletes. So if we could rally around a team that you kind of relate to in that aspect, if like if a player is a small quote-unquote player or whatever the case is and, and the other team has all the superstars and the bankroll – uh, it, it's it's a lot more fun to topple those clowns, and one of the reasons why the 1980 U.S. hockey team resonates so well is that they were very well prepared, and they had great game plans, and they deserved everything that they won, but the odds against them were just incredible and astronomical. So just to pull that off and call it a miracle or whatever you want to call it, it just it that's one of the beauties of sports, and and you should learn that as a young age. You should learn to enjoy the and have fun with the sport, and if you want to continue with it, God bless. But uh, just two things. One, watch the movie Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. and you could avoid the pitfall of uh, having your son or daughter resent having a catch with you, which to me, if, I ever, if I'm ever blessed with being a, a parent, just kill me now because I couldn't, I couldn't stand that. <laughs> and, uh, and two, Wayne Gretzky has three brothers and a sister, but there's only one great one, okay? So just kind of put that in perspective for you. No, it's a great point. And just one last point before I get down off of my soapbox. One other bit of perspective is in any given game, half the people playing are going to lose. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, half the people in that game are going to walk away as losers in every single game. So, you know, it's it's great to win, but... It shouldn't be that huge stigma, especially as a child, especially a child. You know, I Amen. Mean, yeah. we're all passionate about our sports teams. We uh, James and I were just commiserating over the hammering that the Mets are getting right now. But mm. and, and believe me, I've said many words in anger about the Mets, the Rangers, the Jets and Giants, possibly the Olympic team at one point. Uh, but, you know, it's just. It is. You have to take a step back. It is just a game. And especially when there are children playing, it's called a game. It's supposed to be fun. Don't sweat it so much. And that's all I'll say. Amen to that. Uh, so, yeah. So getting on with the, with the other topics. Um, as we were saying uh, in, a, in a few episodes ago that... Um, Two minutes for pontificating. No, not at all. I thought that was beautiful. <laughs> all I, right. It really put a great cap on it. So, yeah, so from there, for deck hockey in the news, uh, Gary and I, as we were saying before, uh, with that new world's biggest ice hockey, ice skating facility that should be built in New York City, backed by Mark Messier, of all people, has kind of hit some snags. And there was an article written about that like a month or two ago. And there hasn't been anything followed up on that. So we're kind of up in the air seeing what's going to happen. Hopefully that facility will be built in New York and uh, would be another little nice promotion for the beautiful sport of hockey and ice skating. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But um, a city or a state that uh, I'm not too fond of getting back to being passionate (laughs) fans of the place where you grow up and the teams that you root for. Uh, Pennsylvania, I have to tip my cap, unfortunately, is they seem to get this right in that they have multiple deck hockey-specific rinks. So it's not just roller hockey, apparently. It's deck hockey. Uh, And uh, Gary and I have have, uh, delved into that in the past, too, where I'm assuming that if if the 
material that they play on, if it's asphalt or tiles or whatever the case is, if it's the same regulation rink size as uh, as an ice hockey rink, you know, 200 by 80 uh, roughly, or if it's a little smaller or, or not as wide and stuff like that. But just the fact they mentioned deck hockey specifically kind of warmed our hearts and, and we appreciated that. So an article written by Larissa Dudkiewicz, and I really butchered that name and I apologize for it. it. It's, it's possibly Dudkiewicz. I, that uh... sounds better. <laughs> Larissa, however you say your last name, we apologize. We'd like to say it correctly. We just don't know how to. Yeah, apologies. But uh, she wrote in the Tribune Review that a uh, suburb of Pennsylvania just north of Pittsburgh, and since I butchered that nice lady's name, I'm not going to butcher the uh, town that we're speaking of. Looks like Sewickley Valley. That sounds good to me, too. God bless you, Gary Mack. I appreciate it. But uh, they're in the works of building another deck hockey-specific rink. And uh, again, it's really in the infancy of the project where they're still trying to determine where it will be set up and uh, whatnot. So the cool thing I liked about that, too, is that hopefully they'll figure out where they'll put it and build it and um, people can enjoy it. But in the area of, or at least in the state of Pennsylvania, this article mentioned that there are no less than five other similar rinks out there right now. So uh, I don't know, maybe Gary and I maybe can do a road trip to Pennsylvania and and see what seems like the deck hockey capital of the world. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's something to consider. We will have our Ranger jerseys on, though, but just uh, just saying. <laughs> and then maybe we can do a road trip segment on the longest trip we've ever taken to see deck hockey. There you go. <laughs> Which leads right into part two of the road trip. Yes, sir. So last week's podcast, we devoted a portion to the road trip, our first segment of that type, wherein James and I sat down in the car on the way to a Mets game. And we uh, just set up a microphone and had a conversation. It wasn't heavily edited or polished or planned out at all. We just talked and wherever the conversation took us is where we went. And we thought that you listeners may enjoy that more casual format. A couple weeks ago on our spooky 13th episode, which really wasn't very spooky, I apologize. Uh, I think I'm done with that gag. But on that that episode, we talked about superstition uh, amongst players in hockey. And in this road trip segment, as it happens, we talked about superstition from uh, the fans' perspective. So please get in the car, sit back, and enjoy part two of the road trip. All right, so James and I are fresh off of an exhilarating Mets victory. A 6-5 win that was a lot more exciting than it probably needed to be, but we're in a good mood, so we're back, baby. Let's go Mets! We are, uh, I'm not sure when we're going to post this, so once again, if if this is uh, a little while later, this is a road trip segment where James and I are in the car driving and... We have a bit more of an informal conversation, so just uh, you get to listen in. <laughs> or you have to listen in. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah, just pretend we've held you hostage and you're in the back seat. Yeah. You have to listen to our ramblings. Tie yourself up, hang, handcuff yourself to a chair, whatever gets you uh, in the moment, I guess. But, uh, so, I've I've done some, some careful sleuthing uh, during the game, which... 
actually just involve looking at a calendar and doing some very basic math. And I've determined that tomorrow as we record is, is uh, James's birthday. So happy birthday to you, James. Thank you very much. And I was going to actually ask you about hockey gifts. Like, what's the best hockey gift you ever received? Because I thought that, uh, you know, would be a good topic of conversation. But then, yeah, well, I'm not going to ask you about that. Because during the game, you made a comment to me. And it got me thinking about superstition. Ah. Which is something that's near and dear to both of us. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So... The, the superstition in question, James asked me if I had any peanuts, which is a reference to the, uh, the the superstition that we've had for any number of years now about me eating peanuts during the ninth inning to ensure a save uh, of a baseball game. Ninth inning of a baseball game to ensure a save, which, uh, you know, it's, it's as silly as any superstition, but it has worked for us in the past. So, um, I know... Speaking for myself, some of my superstitions, both baseball and hockey related, is I I will not wear, if I can help it, I will not wear the colors of the team that my team is playing if it's uh, a game that's either important or a game that I'm attending. Smart. Yeah, that, that gets a little tricky when the opposing team shares your team's colors. Right. So <laughs> sometimes you have to make some exceptions, but... Uh, um, I remember during the World Series, I wore exactly the same thing that I did to, like, we won a game, we were, James and I attended a game that the Mets won, and then the next game, I wore exactly the same thing. Uh, I, I did wash the clothes in between, so maybe that's what I did wrong, because they wound up losing <laughs> that game, but, but yeah, my wife thinks I'm a little crazy. Maybe more than a little, but um, so what? You know, <laughs> what are some of your superstitions, James? Oh boy, where do you begin? Um, the the thing with that is, yeah, I've always been that way, watching baseball and hockey because there's nothing you can do. You're just a fan. You're sitting there and you're agonizing, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about the game or anything. So you're just watching. And Gary even alluded that alluded to that. Uh, in today's game, where at the recording of this, we had an opportunity to participate in a uh, deck hockey tournament or go to the Met game. So the Mets trumped the deck hockey tournament. Not always, but, you know, you got to even things out. And at least he was saying that if we were playing the game, I could get my aggressions out. But sitting in the stands, you can't. So I've rationalized that. The reason why, personally, I'm so really superstitious is that uh, just trying to control my nerves somehow. If, if you're standing in a certain position or uh, going to a certain room in the house. So I got a lot of them. It, it's really... I, I couldn't even tell you how many ticks and crazy things that go on. So um, I'm not going to bore you with that. But yeah, it's, just, it's way too many to, to count. Um, I've had situations in the past um, where the Rangers have been in the playoffs... And I've only eaten Cool Ranch Doritos because Doritos were successful for me in a previous game. But 
I only would eat the Cool Ranch because um, the, I think in the that particular tournament, uh, the Rangers were playing, or that particular round, the Rangers were playing the Capitals. Mm-hmm. And so the Rangers' colors are red, white, and blue, but primarily blue. They're, right. they're the Broadway blue shirts. And a Cool Ranch Doritos bag is blue. <laughs> and it has, like, red, white, and blue and some other, you know, colors, but whatever. Speckles uh, for the seasoning right. on them. Whereas the the regular, the nacho cheese Doritos bag is red. And the yeah. Capitals colors are red. That's true. So I absolutely refuse to eat nacho cheese Doritos during that round. And uh, again, my wife thought I'm, I was a lunatic and I really haven't come up with any evidence in the 10 plus years that we've been married to refute that, but... <laughs> Nevertheless, I uh, it's one of the things that I uh, I'm a little bit crazy about. <laughs> so the clothes I wear, the food I eat, all of this is in an effort to affect some kind of positive result to the hockey gods or the baseball gods, and, and really, from from any reasonable outside perspective, I would have absolutely no impact on a game that other people are playing and in some case hundreds of miles away but that's the thing at least as a fan whenever something good happens in your life it should be because of hard work and dedication and sacrifice so obviously we're not on the rosters of the professional teams so as us being fans at least we can do something to suffer a little bit and sacrifice a little bit so that when the team is successful we can join in with the uh, success in a, in a little way that we sacrifice something too. Uh, not to the extent that the athletes did playing through injuries or sacrificing Lord knows how many hours and years of their lives to getting to that point in their careers. But a little suffering would uh, go a long way for us. So that that's in that aspect, I don't think you're crazy at all. Yeah, I mean, there's something kind of existential about that whole concept of superstition. Yeah, you can make a left turn up here. Um, The idea that in the face of all evidence to the contrary, that you have faith that your actions have an impact on the outcome of something so, uh, so clearly out of your control. I mean, I... I can't speak for James, but I know that I get annoyed at people that not, you know, not even myself. I get annoyed at other people when they break with my superstitions. I, I got a good one for you. Yeah. That just jarred an old memory. Okay. Before on uh, part one of our road trip, we were yeah. talking about our college days. So getting back to that, mm-hmm. um, a girlfriend of mine at the time, she was also a fan of uh, St. John's basketball team. Okay. And it was... My senior year, I'm a couple of years older than Gary, so it was my last hurrah. And being on the sports radio team, if the St. John's basketball team advanced, would have been my chance to finally follow them to the Final Four. So luckily, when Gary and I went to St. John's, the team was really good, and they were a consummate force in, in in March Madness. So everything was aligning right, and it was my senior year, it was my last hurrah, and I was going to get to follow them to the Final Four. It was just a you know, dream come true. Yeah, I think the year before that, if memory serves, they had gone to the Elite Eight. Right. So, right. It was just a really successful, and, and it made sense. It was going in the right direction. We still had the good core of the team. 
who were probably eventually did move on either through graduation or uh, the draft or whatever. Um, so it was really like the, the stars were aligning. And the game before they were going to, yeah, I think it was the Elite Eight or Final Four or whatever, uh, wasn't quite that far in. But we were playing, I think St. Charles was playing Gonzaga or some team. <laughs> And we were winning, and then um, I was sitting in a particular spot. Yeah. And as was my girlfriend, she was being patient, and she was, you know, God bless her, um, trying her best. Uh huh. And then she moved, and, and I got very upset, and we ended up losing St. John's Lost. <laughs> and she thought I was joking. It was that. That's how insane it was. Yeah. And uh, and I was trying to rationalize in my head the the madness that was going on of a lack of a better term and pun intended and I think uh, I don't know if we lasted much after that but <laughs> she was really thoroughly disgusted and yeah so that wasn't that wasn't good wow <laughs> so I lost my girlfriend then in the final four and everything so <laughs> that's unfortunate and I don't regret it no <laughs> you're a better man for it <laughs> yeah yeah, no, I mean it's 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 silly, it's crazy, but it, it's so important for some reason. These things are so important to us as sports fans, right? I mean, I, I there used to be commercials um, on Mets broadcasts or Rangers. I don't even remember. Probably Mets broadcast about people talking about their superstitions. And there was a guy who like, if I can eat three hot dogs during this inning, then we'll win. Or you know, I. I People have to like do a special dance or something when somebody gets a strikeout or I don't know. You know, different people have their different superstitions, but it's, it's something. It's just crazy. I don't know. I there's a story in my family, my wife's family, um, which is my family, but just for the sake of clarity. Uh, when the Rangers were in the uh, finals in 1994 against Vancouver, Game 7, there was, uh, they were watching in the basement with friends, their uh, friends over, and somebody, somebody's boyfriend at the time had, uh, I guess he had had a lot to drink during the course of that day, and so he got up for the bathroom and Vancouver scored. And then he got up again later and Vancouver scored. So at that point they literally tied him to the chair and he apparently had quite a lot to drink and was rather uncomfortable, but they won the game. So, you know, it worked. See, there you go. You nailed it on the head because yeah, we, we understand we're rational people, Gary and I. Um, you know, we're, we're true blue Catholics. We don't just say we are and show up on Palm Sunday or Christmas. I mean, we, we believe and we pray and we, we're not superstitious about that at all. We're not like, uh, you know, like uh, the Doors song. You cannot petition the Lord. We're, we're not about that. However, for the sports side, it's that coincidence. Exactly. It's it's things like that that just seem to happen. Mm -hmm. That you that just like, I don't know, like you mentioned the baseball and the, and the hockey gods that it's just don't tick them off. Don't give them a reason. Right. And it just, whatever, you know, it's a big universe out there, so. It's like in baseball. It's, yeah, some of this stuff, I was gonna about to say it's common sense. It, really, it's not, if you think about it from an outside perspective. But 
as a baseball fan, it's common sense. If your pitcher is pitching a no-hitter, you absolutely, positively do not call out the fact that he has not given up a hit. Exactly. That is the quickest and easiest way to ensure that your team will give up a hit. And it, like, clockwork, the sky comes up and then there's the hit. It happens every time. Every time. Or, you know, if again, with the announcers, if somebody throws up a graphic on the screen, oh, oh this person is over his last 12 against this pitcher, oh, he got a hit. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like, it, it's like don't tempt fate, you know? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and again, Gary and I are big Mets fans, and I, will, I won't mention the broadcaster himself because I do respect him a lot, and... As we were alluding to before, at least for me, that was my dream. I always wanted to call baseball games because I was never good enough to play baseball games. So that's one. He goes to the other extreme. Now, exactly, we we just said that we're rational and we understand uh-huh. that it's all silliness and it's not really real or anything like that. But we still do it just to try and keep ourselves calm. However, to go on the other side and keep saying this guy's pitching a no-hitter and that guy's pitching a no-hitter and where he's, he's through this many innings and you're keep announcing it for the sake of proving that there's no such thing as superstition, that is just as bad as yeah. being superstitious. Yeah, this particular broadcaster may or may not share my name and may or may not have been mentioned in the first set part of this uh, road trip segment. <laughs> exactly. No names. No names. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 silly, but it's what we live by and swear by sometimes. And that's it's what we live and die by. Really, that that's one of the many, many beauties of sports. And Gary, to your credit, uh, I'm telling you right now, and I'm sure you'd probably agree, had the Mets not pulled off this victory today, we wouldn't be doing the the post-game no, I don't think second so. part of the, <laughs> the road trip because it would be either very quiet or uh, I have a pretty bad potty mouth, so... <laughs> But just listen to how happy we are and giddy, you know. It's, it's has no real effect on our lives, but no. it makes us very happy. Yeah. And, and thank God. Eight game winning streak. Yeah. Get over here. Yeah. Yeah, you can uh, get on here or off here. Get off this exit onto another highway. So. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's, uh, it's good stuff. It, you know, it, sports... Sports should be fun because it is a game, right? But it's something that you're so invested in as a sports yeah. fan. You know, fan is short for the word fanatic. So if you're a sports fan, you are by definition a fanatic about sports. And I don't consider myself a sports fan, I consider myself a fan of my teams. So I'm a Mets fanatic, I'm a Rangers fanatic. I don't even consider myself a football fan because I like the Jets and the Giants. I watch their games generally, and uh, I will get pretty worked up if they screw up or if they get screwed. But I, you know, I, I don't have that kind of true blue dyed in the wool devotion to either team. So I feel like it's a disservice to call myself a fan of either team because that's in some way insulting the people who are uh, the, you know that that devoted to that either the Giants or the Jets well that's just you understanding what it is to be a fan because uh, for example 
like mentioned in dating before, if, if anybody out there has dated a girl or a guy that doesn't share your passion for a team or a sport, it's so foreign to that person, and it's really weird to me anyway, because my whole family were sports fans, all my friends are sports fans, so you just get it, but if a time or two, if I've dated a girl who wasn't a fan of uh, the Mets or something and couldn't understand why I was upset or in a bad mood because uh-huh. of a game and trying to have to explain that, it's just, might as well have three heads, what am I getting off here? Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, what it all boils down to if you play, if you don't, if you're just a fan watching, it's um, something you can share with your family. It's wholesome. You don't have to worry about. I mean, the commercials are another story, but um, it's just it's it's timeless, and that's the beauty of it as well. Is you can pass it down from generation to generation. I was telling Gary before that uh, the great James Taylor was being interviewed by Howard Stern, and was listening to that on Sirius XM, and. Uh, I had no idea that James Taylor was a diehard Red Sox fan, and he wrote a song in his beautiful, unique way about his devotion to the Red Sox. And it was a touch... I mean, James Taylor, if you don't like him, I don't know, I mean, maybe you're deaf, but uh, he's just such an emotional, deep man (laughs) and incredibly talented. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at your description of James Taylor. Can I tell you, James, this is going to sound stupid, but... Before, when you were telling me that story, mm-hmm. I think it, part of my brain was focused on something else because that's when we were online to uh, we ah, were yes. trying to get in. Uh, with the lines today were ridiculous. There was this uh, garden gnome thing they were giving away. And really? Was, <laughs> yeah. They had them? We were there two hours before and we got shut out. Literally. It was crazy. Yeah. But uh, when you were telling me that story, uh-huh. for some reason, I thought you meant Howard Stern wrote a song oh. about his love of the Red Sox. And he had a beautiful voice. <laughs> Which I guess doesn't make a lot of sense, but I was like, oh, maybe this is a facet of him that I don't know about. <laughs> it was it was the one and only James Taylor. All right. <laughs> and he performed the song live in studio, and it was so uh-huh. beautiful and, and really summed up what it is to be a baseball fan or, or a sports fan in general. Yeah. And, that makes and, a lot more sense. Yeah, and, and the movie Fever Pitch. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw it. It's... Um, from what I remember, I mean, it's like a date movie, but it, it's, you know, it's it's cute. It's about baseball and and uh, Jimmy Fallon's love of the Red Sox. Right. Yeah, another Red Sox connection there, too. Yeah. As a matter of another 2004 uh-huh. reference, too, because they had to reshoot the movie yeah. because the Red Sox won the World Series. I think he wound up on the field. Or, they, like, they celebrated, they shot, they get to shot on the field. That's right. to shoot. That's right. Um and uh, not only that, but they pulled off the greatest feat in the history of baseball, which has never been done ever, coming back from three games to none and then sweeping four games in a row to, to go to the World Series, which yeah. is just absolutely, it's never been done. So absolutely unprecedented and, and well-deserved. But I'm glad you mentioned dating before because, just personal story, when the, the night my wife and I started decided to start dating, we had known each other for a while. We had both done theater together and... Um, we were friends, but the night we kind of decided to start dating, we were feeling each other out a little bit, and uh, it was one of the things, the kind of important things that I guess that came up was like, uh, uh, you know, uh, you, you, what baseball team do you like? Oh, I'm a Mets fan. Oh, oh, good, me too. It's a, oh, you like hockey? Uh, I'm a Rangers fan. Oh, good, me too. Because if 
if she had been a Yankee fan or I had been an Islander fan, I don't think we ever would have started dating, let alone got married. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think the relationship would have ended right there. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, it does say a lot about who you are uh-huh. in, in aspects of what team you root for because there is a sense of loyalty and, and legitimacy and it's always easy to jump on the bandwagon and root for some team that always steals or buys or does whatever yeah. illegally. So what's the fun in that, really? You know. Mm-hmm. So when you're uh, when you're a Met fan, you've been through the ringer, and and anything that the Mets have won, they've earned, and you can share in that joy. Same thing with the Rangers too. I know that they uh, have a reputation of buying talent and so on, but yeah. they seem to buy the talent when they're past their prime and don't do very well but i think they that you know in the early 2000s there was a bit more uh that perception was a little more prevalent and i guess had a little more credence mm. but yeah i think there is still a bit of a perception that they they go after stars and um that's how they try and grow their team yeah but for a franchise that's been around for 80 plus years <clears throat> and four stanley cups and yeah. 54 year drop between them that's uh that's devotion and loyalty that's and before, I believe I was telling, telling this to Gary or at least another friend of mine who's an, an Islander fan, actually. Um, why I'm a Jet fan, I don't know. And, and, and my dad and I, I've asked my father that many a time because they don't give you anything. They just break your heart. You know? <laughs> at least at least the Mets, yeah, you had 86, you had 2000, you have right up until 2015. There's there's some hope there. There's, always, there's some great players in history. But the Jets is like, I'm going to be 38 and... Never even came. I mean, the closest we ever came to getting the Super Bowl was uh, like a couple of halves in the uh, AFC Championship. So, I remember in high school um, when I, I I had even less interest in football than I do now. But not not that I have no interest in football now. But we went through that. But in high school, I, I really didn't have a lot of uh, familiarity with football or exposure to football. But I remember the thing. Uh, the joke that went around at the time was uh, Jets stand for stood for just end the season, <laughs> and now uh, to James's point, it, you could easily say it stands for Jesus end the suffering. Yeah, you know what? But and and I wouldn't trade it in. It's it's tradition. I got to watch the Jets with my dad. Uh huh. I mean, last year the the franchise won ten freaking games, which yeah. is a lock in football. To, mm-hmm. And we didn't even make the postseason, so go figure. But <laughs> uh, yeah, being a Jet fan is something really special, and that's what it is. It's just, I guess, I don't know if misery loves company, or mm-hmm. or it's just when they win, it's just so incredible and amazing. I mean, Super Bowl three is still one of the most historic and talked about Super Bowls of all time for its significance and Joe Namath and everything like that. But uh, to a certain aspect, too, you have the Rangers with the shadow of the 94 team and, and the Mets with the shadow of the 86 team. But um, sports, it's, just, it's, it's, it's tradition, it's fun, it's entertainment, and uh, it's special. Yeah, and just to bring it back around to the superstition discussion that we started with, um, you know, you you can have a great team, like you said, not that I'm saying last year's Jets were a great team, but you can have a team that seemingly is doing everything it's supposed to right. and by all rights should win. You can sit there as a fan and follow all your superstitions religiously. And then, uh, you know, from personal experience, the team still doesn't win. And I sit there and it's like, well, I did my part. What did you, you know? Who who dropped the ball? I did my part for this team to win. Yeah. Who screwed up? 
Yeah, sure. Well, uh, somebody wants James's spot. He, we just got back to my house, so uh, I think now might be a good time to wrap up this superstition sports segment of our hit the deck road trip. Um, and only a Mets and Ranger fan would be that uh, considerate to give the man the spot, and we didn't <laughs> have to. So there's another lesson for you, later. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so uh, anyway. I hope you've enjoyed these road trip segments. If you have, let us know. Maybe we'll do more of them in the future. And if you haven't, let us know, and maybe we'll do them anyway to spite you. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Not like our podcast, huh? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you, sir or madam? <laughs> sir or madam, who do you think you are? Judging us. Don't judge us. You sit in our shoes and do this, and then you judge us. I think I went off on a little bit of a tangent there. Yeah, yeah we're, getting, we're getting cut off. Oh, no. Okay. It's, it's a, is that the hook that, yeah, that is? Right. All right. <laughs> okay. So, on that note, uh, I'm, I'm going to play chicken with Mr. Frosty. Mr. Softy. Yes. Mr. Frosty, I think, is the guy who makes the, the ice cream treats at Wendy's. Yeah. All right. Um, as I said, that'll wrap this up. James, thank you for this conversation. It was fun. Great idea, Gary. I enjoyed it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, once again, we'll throw it back to Gary and James at the Hit the Deck podcast. Guys, take it away. Well, thank you, me. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, thank, thank me, I guess. I thank you, too. All right. Let's all thank me. I'm great. (laughs) So uh, I think it got a little rambly, but I think we made our point about superstition. And uh, thank you for sitting with us and enjoying our banter. Yeah. And just to put a cap on the whole skeletorial thing, believe it or not, we Googled the word skeletorial, which we thought we kind of made up. And there is an online game known as League of Legends. And if you Google the word Skeletorial, you will see that there is a team or faction for that League of Legends online game that calls itself Skeletorial. So (laughs) (laughs) I I hope we don't get sued or or anything like that because it was a complete fluke. But I guess you can literally Google anything nowadays. Yeah, I'm not that worried because some guy called his League of Legends team Skeletorial. Okay, good. Thank you. Because I'm going to be hiding behind you anyway, so. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So one final thing before we wrap up. I would like to offer you, the listener, a little bit of democracy here on the Hit the Deck podcast. Since it is our 15th episode, we thought we'd take the opportunity to kind of make you part of the process. And James and I have been talking about this, and we have a lot of fun doing the Hit the Deck podcast. At least I do. I, I don't want to speak for you, James. I absolutely do 100% too, but I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, great. So we both have a lot of fun doing the Hit the Deck podcast. I wouldn't mind doing another podcast if there was interest in it. So this obviously is a podcast about deck hockey. We love deck hockey. We love talking about deck hockey and, you know, hockey generally. But... We know that you, the listener, have diverse interests, as do we, so we want to offer you the option of suggesting to us perhaps 
a companion podcast to the Hit the Deck podcast. Maybe something else that James and I can talk about on a different topic that you would like to hear us talk about. If you like to hear us talk, and considering you listen to us talk for between half an hour and an hour every week, then maybe I'm pushing my luck, but I'm taking the opportunity to say I would like to hear what you want to hear us talk about. And please tell us, hit us up on Twitter at Hit the Deck Pod, our Gmail account, of course. Hit the deck at gmail.com, our Facebook page, which is at Hit the Deck. Heck, if you feel so inclined, you can take a picture of what you want us to talk about and share it on our Instagram account, which is at Hit the Deck. So uh, I'm putting that out there. The ball's in your court. Please, please, even if it's something that you think is silly, if you think it can carry a podcast and you think we can talk about it, we want to hear your suggestion. Last minute remaining in the podcast. And on that note, let's wrap things up. So, thank you for listening to us on our 15th episode of the Hit the Deck podcast. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. Thank you on behalf of myself and, of course, on behalf of James. We would like to thank Anthony Sejazi for providing us with music, Pops for being the voice of the podcast, the LIQ for providing us with sound effects. We just told you how you can contact us, but please feel free to do so at any of those places. I would encourage you personally to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Tell your friends, please. We're at 15 episodes. We want to get to 150 more at least. So please spread the word about the Hit the Deck podcast. That's the way that this thing keeps going is the more people listen, the more impetus there is for us to record it. Also, please, you can listen on Stitcher. That's a brand new platform that we're happy to be on, Stitcher. They have their own player. You can listen on their website. You can download it to your device. They have their own app on iPhone and in the Google Play Store, I think. So please find a way to listen to the Hit the Deck podcast. Recommend us to your friends. We love you for listening. We'd love more. James, is yeah. there anything you want to throw in there? Thank you, sir. Yeah, I just want to follow your lead there, too. Not only can you suggest what you would like to hear us speak about, but you're more than welcome to speak about it as well. This is an open platform, and we'd love to hear you speak your opinions as well and join in on the show, and hopefully that would make it a little bit more fun for you as well. So, you know, let's hear what you got to say. Well said. Thank you for that, James. And finally, of course, we would be remiss if we were not to remind you, it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. I was going to say minor league hockey because I'm a smart person.